Good evening, happy Monday night, and welcome to Foodline Radio, your hub for all things edible from seed to feed. We're on Vancouver's co-op radio, CFRO 100.5 FM, or you can tune in anywhere in the world via our live stream on coopradio.org. My name is Amanda Johnson, and I'm grateful to have Alex Skiva behind the glass in the control room. Startups are one of the best ways that we make the world a better place. Uh, the right group of people with the right incentives can accomplish incredible things. In this week's of edition of Foodline Radio, we'll talk to Ava Smart Garden, a Vancouver-based agri-food startup. We'll hear from Valerie Song, CEO and co-founder at Ava Smart Garden, Chase Ando, co-founder and chief designer, Imagineer at Ava Smart Garden, and Mike Nazari, systems architect at Ava Smart Garden. All this in the next 60 minutes here on Foodline Radio. To kick off the show, let's listen to Rafi with Banana Phone. with banana phone a great idea for people who like to eat bananas and talk on the phone at the same time caddy warren just started to follow food line on twitter hello caddy so i'm here again in studio with the ava team and we're gonna introduce you one by one so here's a hold on chase ando co-founder and chief imagineer that's exactly it, yeah. Okay, welcome to Foodline Radio. Awesome, thanks for having me. Okay, and here also in the studio is Valerie Song. Hi, hello world. You're the CEO of this uh, Ava Smart Gardens. And finally, I have Mike Nazari over here. Hello. It's very good to have all three of you, and we are very excited about what this night will bring. So I'm, I'd love to hear from, from you, Valerie, of how this idea got started. Well... Back in the day. Now, um, in 2015, I was working a job that I really hated, and it was because it was in an industry that I didn't truly love or believe in. So um, when it came down to it, I ended up quitting my job, and I thought, you know, I don't really have a path right now, but this, this event called Startup Weekend is coming in November of 2015, and what am I really truly passionate about, and what would I want to pitch? So the idea of Ava came up in conversation with Chase, and we were thinking about food because he's an ex-chef, I used to work in food, and then this idea of Ava Smart Garden came up and we pitched that event. We won the most impact award at Startup Weekend and it kind of launched our career from there. Wow. And so, I mean, the, the Smart Garden is something that is pretty revolutionary. Uh, tell us about it. 
Yeah, so the Ava Smart Garden is an electronic garden that helps plant killers become master gardeners. So I know I used to be terrible at gardening and I really wanted to get into it, but every time I left for vacation, it would die. Or every time I overwatered or underwatered, it would die. So I really wanted an easy solution that would belong in my apartment home that would be easy to maintain and that's what it is. So the idea being when you have an indoor garden appliance, it's helping you grow your own food. Exactly. I mean, this sounds like something that lines up well with what most people in Vancouver are passionate about as well. That's what we hope, yeah. <laughs> what kind of things can you grow in a smart garden? So in our smart garden, we can grow, of course, the typical herbs, vegetables, and fruits, but we're also trying to innovate on mushrooms and sprouts in the same device. Okay, mushrooms and sprouts in the same device. I guess that's the dark light thing, right? Yes, and it, there's some uh, design changes that we're making as well, but because it's a smart system, we have all the ability to make the, these changes. Wow, maybe we should go to our, um, who's, 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 who's all doing the changes, the, the smart, yeah? Yes, yeah, that would be me. So how do you control the environment in a smart garden? That, that one's tough, actually. We've, uh, since November, we've kind of pivoted our idea multiple times. Um, so we, we started out with a clim fully climate-controlled environment, um, and in, in, a, in a box form the size of a microwave. Uh, and since then, we've uh, kind of made it more sleeker, compact, um, and we have an LED panel up top that'll give us some heat. Uh, we have fans at the bottom um, that'll give the, uh, the, the herbs the nice breeze that they need. Uh, but other than that, um, it's, it's a pretty, it's, it's pretty uh, not, not so much controlled environment as it is just an area to grow. Uh, we came up with a new term today it's a augmented environment as opposed to controlled so yeah we have we have some influence but that's really just um yeah trying to give the plant some extra factors at a lower price point right so uh i'm thinking plants need air they need oxygen rather they need uh obviously moisture so uh, if you're growing it in your house the temperature is going to be pretty around room temperature what mm -hmm. 21 20 21 degrees, 21 yeah. degrees and probably drier than the plant would like is that right well, actually, the, the plants themselves create a little microclimate for themselves. Um, even when it's not in, in an enclosed environment, uh, general room temperature is, is more than enough for, uh, for plants to thrive in. Okay. Now, how about the light? Because I live in a basement. And, totally, yeah. uh, Is the LED sufficient, or do you need supplemented sunlight? Yeah, we have, uh, we have powerful LEDs where we can control the spectrum. Um, so it's tailored to uh, what, what plant you're growing and uh, at what stage it's uh, at, actually. Really? So yeah. it, de it varies depending on how, what plant you're growing? Exactly. And are you in charge of that as well? Like yeah, well, we, ha oh, we have our engineers and, uh, you know, we kind of combine the design and engineering minds and we, we try to tackle that problem. That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so um, I want to I give our listeners a picture of what it looks like. Hmm. Can anyone do that for me? Well, you can also look at our website <laughs> yeah. uh, for an actual picture at avagrows.com, avagrows.com. Um, but essentially, imagine a space-age device that has five plant sites. It kind of looks like a mixture between if you mashed up a Tesla with an espresso machine. That's what it would look like. It's, it's a sleek device. It can fit at the side of your kitchen, and it will blend in seamlessly and beautifully. Wow, and I've just been informed that it's on our Twitter. We've put your picture of your prototype on our Twitter as well. Sweet. Uh, and it, how much does space does it take up? Um, uh, so it, it takes up two feet by half a foot. So it's quite sleek. It, it, it should fit on any countertop in the city. That's amazing. Okay, um, 
Mike, you're the architect. What's what's your job here at Ava? Uh, well, I've since changed my title to urban futurist, and um, really, I'm I'm bringing in kind of the an understanding of where we're going um, in urban agriculture, in controlled environment, and um, yeah, my my roles are primarily working with Val on everything she needs, um, and then helping Chase with some of the system stuff. Um, and at the moment, just reaching out for strategic partnerships primarily. So strategic partnerships being um, perhaps restaurants that would be willing to use your the vegetables or the, the smart gardens? In the long term, uh, in the short term, I, I spoke to someone today who, who's working in um, machine vision, plant vision for machine learning. And um, so, you know, we're, we're checking out what we can do uh, that is, is truly futuristic, hasn't, hasn't been done in the product category. Um, and another thing is a, I have a call, I believe tomorrow, with a company that does a specific type of light modifying panel. So um, I thought I knew what it is, but these guys are pretty um, advanced, so I'm going to be doing some learning tomorrow. Light modifying panel. So how does, is it a light bulb? <laughs> uh, in our case, no, it's, it's, a, it's a diffusive piece of glass with, uh, I guess, trying to think of photolytic properties um, and in our case we're looking for something to help with um, better more focused delivery of light to the surface area the plant will be on and reducing light bleed which we've noticed is a problem with uh, products in our category so light bleed being you want the light to stay on the plants instead of the yeah so we have the issue of um, where people will want to put our devices is probably not going to have enough natural light for a robust growth cycle and so we we have to balance between um, having a big bright lamp in people's homes on for 16 hours a day including after it's become dark and uh, balancing between the human needs and the needs of the plant and so um, yeah, light bleed is that issue. Okay, very cool. So um, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of things because I, I do love plants. So um, hydrofilm technology. This is how you feed your plants water without wasting water, right? Uh, that's what we uh, initially went to, but uh, we are looking at more, more simplified um, systems at the moment. Um, but nutrient film techniques are, are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, definitely being applied in many places. Aponics um, with an X is uh, is one 3D nutrient film technique um, product out there, and it's it's what NASA has been playing with because uh, it would be the lightest weight substrate to launch into orbit, which significantly reduces cost. So, do your uh, plants or the Smart Garden does it operate with soil currently? Uh, no, we are we are part of what we're doing is is trying to develop a, uh, a unique substrate that um, encapsulates all the nutrients of that the plant will need through its its multiple cycles, and um, that's really what will help us deliver the just add water, no hassle solution, um, decrease the opportunity for for parents with kids to have their kids playing around and spilling or trying to drink nutrient solutions. Um, it's really like if it's a it's a difficult thing to do, but uh, if we can really nail it, then um, uh, yeah, the future is bright for for all growing. 
The future is bright for yeah, absolutely. Um, back to you, Val. We'll talk to Chase later, but uh, I'm just curious about. Um, I, I mean, you, you you ventured into this world of business, and I'm just wondering how it was in Vancouver. Like, was it? It's a big risk to to start a business, and what are some things that you have discovered along the way? Yeah, so um, we are actually very fortunate to be in Vancouver because we have a lot of support systems out there. So when we came out of Startup Weekend, we were accepted into a program called Spring, and they were very gracious in giving us a lot of great feedback, um, a great curriculum to help us kind of ease into the entrepreneurship world. And after that, we went to E at UBC, which is a UBC-run um, program. And after that, we went to the next big thing, which we're in now, uh, as well as Hatch out of UBC. So there's a lot of programs out there that help uh, startups get accelerated into uh, their next growth stage or their seed funding or even to grow their company. Wow, and that's, a, I guess, a key part of having a company is this seed fund. Okay, back to Chase. Chase, have you always wanted to start your own business or is this just a brilliant idea that you couldn't help but run with? Yeah, a little bit of both. I think um, at an early age, I, I've started selling whatever I could uh, out of my basement, and I, I've always been a tinkerer of sorts. Uh, so I, I, I would always take break break things and make things and see if I uh, I could sell them for whatever it was a dollar or even five bucks. And you know, I think that the the snowball kind of led up, and um, it hit a I hit a point where. Um, I was in a transitional p uh, period in my life, and I really wanted to focus on something that would be impactful um, uh, for the future. And with my background in food uh, and my interest in technology, it kind of seamlessly blended uh, to this. Wow. Okay. Thanks, everybody. We're going to have uh, all of them back for a panel discussion after the break. Uh, but let's listen to a song called Pure Imagination by Stephanie Tarling. Why did you pick this song? Because it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> After the break, we'll continue this conversation with Mike Nazari on vertical farming and the future of agritech. back here in studio. I'm here with Mike Nazari from Ava Smart Gardens. Mike is an urban futurist, self-described, and what I'm wondering, Mike, is how you got into agritech. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, basically, uh, many years ago, I was, I was looking for work, and uh, it's a competitive city, and there's, there's a lot of jobs that you don't really want to take, and uh, during the search, I, I saw a um, some information about a vertical garden that had opened up in the city and they were already selling their produce in the store. And uh, I had never seen myself working with um, agriculture in any capacity, but uh, the, the image and the promise of, of what this company were do was doing was uh, just striking to me. And I, I ended up applying and kind of uh, being quite persistent in that and turning down a much better paying job for something that lacked glamour, but uh, it was really a big chance and uh, ended up being worth it. 
Wow. Okay, so you started working for an agritech company. What does that term even mean? Agricultural technologies. So is this for people that don't have a big backyard, but they still want to grow their own food? Or is it for perhaps companies that are situated in the city where there's no large fields? Uh, I think it's just a reflection that um, technology is is ever more present in our life and including in, in agriculture. Uh, so we've gone through multiple agricultural revolutions and uh, some would say that we're going into the fourth, which is enabled by technologies such as high-efficiency LEDs and um, vertical infrastructure that makes up the vertical farm. Hydroponics is a quite old technology now that many people aren't aware of. And uh, there's other things, as you mentioned, nutrient film technique. Um, so it's really just as every industry, uh, technology is converging um, with the established industries and, and methodologies and creating something that is distinctly new. Right. So with the hydroponics, as an example of agritech that started a long time ago, what vegetables do we currently consume that are grown at, in hydroponics? Well, in, in British Columbia, we've got a couple massive facilities. Uh, primarily, it's, it's tomatoes and, um, and peppers, hothouse peppers, which... Any grocery store, you'll, you'll probably see those hothouse products um, in your produce aisles. Um, but really, it's, it's a it methodology and uh, can be tailored specifically to any crop. With zero waste, theoretically. Uh, it's, it's not zero waste. However, if you think of pouring some water on a piece of soil, uh, what is not absorbed by the plant is going to go down into the water table. And it, it takes a long time to cycle with... With hydroponics, they describe uh, 95 to 98% savings in water because in an enclosed environment, like controlled environment agriculture, you can actually recapture water moisture um, as well as simply just delivering it more efficiently without the loss to the groundwater table, I guess. Okay. So does this kind of technology, well, not specifically hydroponics, but agritech in general, enable us to produce food in the city where we otherwise would not be able to grow food yeah well there's uh there we have the technology to grow anywhere it's just is it economical is it um effective enough do we have the talent to operate it is is more the question so uh scientists have been and researchers have been developing technologies to grow for future colonies on mars there's some plants growing on the space station um so it's it's not so much a matter of where but how and and why are we doing it in the city even well yeah so it's more it's more than like a desire to grow food which we all kind of have i think it's it's probably a desire to um eat local or a desire to have control over where our food comes from maybe yeah absolutely both of those factors and uh so with the production efficiencies that the Salinas Valley and Central California have produced, they now are able to produce enough to export to Vancouver and all across the continent. And in Vancouver in particular, most of our, a lot of our leafy greens are coming from California exclusively because it's just cheaper at the volume that they're doing. Uh, this has a large carbon footprint, um, which obviously... Uh, has, has an effect on climate change. Um, and as well, there's there's nutri nutritional um, deficiencies of products that have been cut many days ago and are, are sitting in cold chain storage, but still 
the plants have died and uh, some of those nutrients are, are breaking down over time. Right. So the the idea of local is not just being connected and supporting your community. It's it's fresher produce. It's as you said, higher probability of food security, uh, which in North America uh, we we still have our food issues problems, but um, in in the booming Asian economies, um, there's still quite a few problems. And so they're really looking at urban agriculture and controlled environment as uh, highly needed and practical solutions. Okay, great. So uh, the projected market for indoor agriculture, is it more of like a household thing or do you see it a larger scale? Um, well, in I think we'll see it everywhere and it's all connected. Uh, obviously, what's going to be talked about the most and get the most media attention are the the big operations that are at the moment in vertical farming. The the famous press cases are usually around failures of of vertical farms, as we had with uh, local garden from Alteris in Vancouver. And there's many factors behind these failures, but um, I think part of it relates to the home, where uh, if you go back a hundred years uh, before the industrial revolution 98 percent of humanity was involved in small plot farming the a feudal type society as, as we still see in some nations and um, so whereas most people used to know quite a bit about how to grow food in the land that they lived um, we we've become disconnected and, and gone through industrialization into service economies and so we're lacking we have a strong deficit of knowledge around how to sustain ourselves because we've relied on the specialization so much. Absolutely, yeah. So it's kind of taking some, gaining back some knowledge perhaps that we've lost. Yeah. I, I guess I was just going to ask you next about some bottlenecks or hurdles that still have to be overcome before this is a mainstream thing. Mm. Yeah, well, the uh, the technology is there for the most part. It's just whether it is cost-effective enough. Um Policy plays a big role. Uh, the city of Vancouver has made some valiant efforts, but uh, from the people who are better informed than I, there's there's still some some major issues that could hold companies back from launching operations, such as hourly restrictions. So I was told that the, the current framework um, only allows for operations kind of during the daytime. Now, this is presumably done with the idea that there's large loud combines that would be used in urban areas which which isn't the case like really a the operations that we're talking about would be um i guess would not have the heavy machinery that you associate with field agriculture and so uh there's some issues such as that and even on a policy side um like with the failure of local garden there was a something that was frustrating to me was that uh there was a lot of press behind the city having given a preferential lease to the company, which ended up at a loss for the city. But what's the size of that loss compared to the bet they were making? Um, it was very minute. And if you really look at the property that this greenhouse was located on, uh, yes, the city owned it, but it was on top of a eight-story split parkade of which usually only 20% of the stalls on the bottom were actually filled. So There's it, lots of space in the city, absolutely. Yeah. So it's about maximizing the efficiency of what you're doing. So, yeah, well, and also just for me, just communicating that um, 
the cities are not arbitrarily trying to do things like there's, there's calculations that they're actually not really putting into the public and then suffering because they did not actually communicate um, as well as they could have. Right. Okay. We're going to launch into our next segment after this. We'll talk to Chase Ando about how design is shaping the future. Also, if you want to see the prototype for an Ava Smart Garden, head to our Facebook or Twitter at Foodline Radio. Now let's take a short break with Paradise City from Jean Leloup. I'm Leanne Collinson. I'm Molly Caron. I'm Rick Havlak. Your host, Amanda Johnson. I'm Elodie Jacquet. I'm Annie Rosenberg. My name is Mike Bodner. My name is Annika Reinhardt. I'm Jeff Anderson, your host. On Foodline Radio. Radio. Your weekly conversation about food waste. Food advertising. Inglorious produce. Lesser known fermented beverages. Food insecurity. Food challenges. Mushrooms. The ethical aspects of growing food locally. Uh, Disability is in the kitchen. The future of agriculture. Boosting your outdoor culinary game. Patterns of human food consumption. Ice cream and guacamole. Ice cream and guacamole. For all All things things edible. edible. Your hub for all things edible from seed to feed. This is Foodline Radio. You're listening to Foodline Radio. Foodline Radio. Foodline Radio. Foodline Radio. Vancouver's co-op radio, CFRO on 100.5 FM. You're listening to Foodline Radio, Vancouver's co-op radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. And also streaming live where elsewhere in the world on coopradio.org. Tonight we've packed the studio with the brains behind Ava Smart Gardens. We heard from Valerie Song, CEO, urban futurist Mike Nazari, and now we've got Chase Ando in the studio, co-founder and chief designer. Imagineer? Awesome. Imagineer? Hey, uh, again, whatever you want to call me. Okay, well, it I'm sounds just the guy like... I'm that makes, makes things, basically. <laughs> I feel like I've never had such a creative team here mm. on Foodline Radio. So um, you've developed this prototype for a smart garden, a, a mini farm that you can have in your own home. Totally. What has helped you along the process? I'm sure it's not an easy job developing a prototype. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not an easy job, um, but well worth it. Um, and we're still in the process of actually. Um, so we've we've gone through the ideation process. We've gone through the research process. Um, we've we've gone into the conceptual world, um, exploring our different options. And uh, now we are hustling in building the thing. <laughs> okay. And yeah. so, how many are you currently like? What's your first um, supply going to be like? Mm, yeah. So so we uh, plan on launching uh, in a few months at the end of April. Uh, and so we'll have many prototypes ready. We're, we're planning on being in the BC Home and Garden Show, amongst other trade shows, and uh, taking it from there. Wow, that's going to be amazing. When is the Home and Garden Show? Uh, that's at the end of February. Okay, I'll have to get a, a ticket sure. to yeah. that. What are we looking at for... for uh, so you were going to tell me about uh, things that have helped you along the way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, 
there's a lot of technologies out there that make uh, the industrial designer or design engineer's life a lot easier. Um, this particularly in the field of computer-aided design, so CAD, 3D modeling, um, and cloud-based computing, uh, making it easy for people to collaborate. So we have a quite a multi multidisciplinary team of uh, scientists, engineers, and designers working on this. Uh, so it's really important for us to work closely, hand-in-hand, hand, um, to make sure we're all on the same page. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. I understand you have someone on your team who is a agriculture person as well. For sure. So yeah. um, how does that come together? Do you ever, yeah, do you we, ever... have, uh, we have two, two uh, plant scientists working on our team uh, to make sure that you know, because very, very much so, uh, like the, the plant itself is an end product. It's not so much the garden. Um, where the design comes in uh, to help the plants thrive, um, that's, that's my job. Um, but we need to focus on the plant's needs and then also consider the user's needs and uh, kind of balance it out. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And how many people do you have on your team? We have we have ten actually. Okay. We've, we've grown quite a bit. It's, it's it's I guess it's in the nature of uh, what we're what we're doing. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so you have plant scientists. You your your focus is developing a plant. Um, can you grow certain plants together? I've always heard you should grow roses and garlic, but I think that's a <laughs> <laughs> that's I think a uh, more of a warding off the pests than sure. helping them grow better. Yeah. Uh, here in BC, I think some traditional knowledge is the three sisters that you're supposed to grow mm -hmm. corn with beans and onions. I I don't know. There's a third one, anyways. Mm -hmm. um, so what, what have you implemented this kind of uh, combination knowledge when you're deciding which plants can grow together yeah absolutely i, I don't th i don't think we touched on this but uh we the way we grow our plants they come in uh pre-packaged uh pods that kind of like a work uh, works like an espresso machine um where everything you need to grow a perfect plant comes in this one little pod um so the idea is we we sell you the pods in packages so you don't have to there's no second guessing um, you just plant them right next to each other in whatever configuration you want, uh, and the system will tell you whether it's uh, whether it's they, they belong together or not. Okay, great. Yeah. So I guess you can grow herbs. You can grow totally. Yeah. What are what, what are some things that are really working well right now? Um, purple basil. Okay. Uh, shiso. Uh huh. Um, we have chives. We have parsley. Uh, most of your culinary herbs uh, grow fantastically in the device. Um, we're testing and playing around with mushrooms, uh, which will be a unique. I think we're, we're going to be the first device to try that. Um, actually, no, you know what? There, there is another company doing mushrooms. Okay. Um, and also microgreens. Microgreens. Yeah, microgreens are huge right mm -hmm. now. So yeah. do they taste better grown in an Ava Smart Garden? Of course. Okay, just had to ask that. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, you're 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 essentially um, taking something that, on average, uh, if you buy herbs at the grocery store, it, it travels twenty five hundred kilometers, give or take, um, and reducing that down to literally within arm's reach. So Absolutely. that yeah, it should speak for itself almost. Yeah, it's and just... I love basil. So the, the mm -hmm. thought of having fresh basil is pretty amazing in the winter time. You mm -hmm. know? All right. So um, this this brings an interesting question up, which is how design is actually shaping the future and how 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 can we interact with technology and, and, and everything? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think the future of the world is going to lie in the hands of engineers, designers, scientists, um, and especially in solving big problems. Um, the, the first problem we decided to uh, tackle on is happened to be food. 
Um, so it's really, really been able to uh, accelerate our our process from getting in, getting from idea to uh, a functional prototype and then a product ready for manufacturing uh, in exponentially a shorter amount of time uh, with probably 10x uh, the, the cost savings that a traditional process would uh, would take. Um, so it's really been able to, yeah, really accelerate the process. So 3D printing, for example, is something that uh, we use every day. Um, and that gives us the freedom to design something that we think might work and then be able to test it the, the same day. Wow, amazing. So when you have a 3D printer, how how big can you print with this? Yeah, so uh, we, we just bought one. Yeah, so the, uh, the MakerBot Plus that we bought for our home, uh, you could build... Uh, 40 centimeters by 30 centimeters by I think 40 in height. So I mean, for the bigger, bigger things that like like what we're what we're prototyping is much bigger than the, vo- the build volume of the printer. We can build in pieces and then just glue them together. That's so cool. Yeah, it's, that's it's, amazing. It's quite amazing. And um, what are the what is it actually made of? So I imagine the infrastructure is made out of some sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, it's steel, uh, rugged ABS plastic, and. Uh, uh, yeah, it's industrial grade uh, metal parts, basically. Okay, very cool. Well, we have a new follower on Twitter, Larry Putterman. Larry, what will you grow in your smart garden? <laughs> Please tweet us and tell us. Mm-hmm. How? What is it like working at a star- startup like Ava Smart Gardens? Uh, a dynamic. It's it's very exciting. Um, every day brings on a new challenge, uh, and I think we have. I like to say that we have the brain power to try to solve those problems. Um, it's it, it's a constantly changing environment. Uh, you're working next to uh, people that are great at what they do, passionate about what they do. So it's inspiring uh, at the same time. Uh, very very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Is there is there some sort of like a like a structure? Like I guess who runs the meetings? Yeah. Uh, well, it depends on what type of meeting. Uh, so I think we have we have leads uh, for each kind of category. Uh, of of topic that we need to address for the meeting. So if it's business oriented, uh, then Val would be Val would be heading on that one. Um, if it's uh, design, then it would be myself. It would, if it would be systems, it would be Mike. Um, we also have contract uh, manufacturing guys, engineers that will um, you know help us along the process. Uh, again, this is our first go at it, so there's a there's a huge learning curve. Um, we decided to pick a quite quite a tough one, um, but but we're, we're pursuing it yeah, relentlessly. Yeah. So one of the key aspects in any startup is timing and whether mm. the world is ready for your product. Are for Vancouverites sure. ready for the Ava Smart Garden? I think, I think so. I hope so. Um, there's, there's been a huge movement in vertical agriculture, indoor farming, uh, indoor gardening on the consumer level, uh, and we keep seeing new products uh, you know, arising from nowhere um, on on platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Um, So we're definitely starting to see a lot more interest in the field, which is great. Um, And the more, the merrier, actually. The the faster we can feed the transition, uh, the world's transition to sustainable food, both on the production and consumption side, the better. Yeah, I'm just thinking of how many of my friends have smoothies every morning. I mean, if, sure. how much easier would it be for them to just add some greens on their on their counter? Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. We just got a phone call from Joseph from Seattle. So thank you for calling in, Joseph. Hey, Joseph. Uh, let's play a song now. So we're going to hear from Monogrenade ce soir. 
And we're back at Foodline Radio, the special edition on startups, where we have the Ava Smart Garden team in the studio to wrap up tonight's show. Valerie, Chase, and Mike. So you you started this business called Ava Smart Garden, and I'm sure it was an incredible experience. Are there are there resources available for people that are starting a business like this? Yeah, well, uh, a major player um, in, in our start was uh, Keith. Chin and the team at Spring, um, spring.is, and uh, they really are one of the many organizations in the city that will help people with ideas get the network and uh, mentorship and education that they need to actually start building a company and iterating on ideas. Um, in the food space specifically, uh, there's also Radius at SFU has, has done a cohort accelerator of exclusively food companies. So uh, there's, this is a really exciting city and a time and place for, to be in this space um, because we're a very green city and uh, also up-and-coming culinary city. Um, any last thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with? I personally would like to know more about the plants. Um, you said you grow fruits. What fruits can you grow in a smart garden? Considering we're, we're building our device, uh, theoretically, anything that's got a short cycle and doesn't need to go through like a 10-year growth before becoming an orchard like tree. Like an apple tree. You can't <laughs> yeah. grow apple trees? Exactly. Okay. That's, that's in the future, maybe. Yeah. We're working on that one. Okay. Strawberries. Strawberries. Yeah, strawberries. Yeah, cherry tomatoes. Okay. Um, yeah, what I, I think we, we don't have, I don't, yeah, we haven't really done too much testing with the uh, the fruits themselves, but uh, definitely in, in, in the works. I would love to see this. So if we want to see a prototype, we can go to the Vancouver Home and Garden Show. Absolutely. in May. I'll, I will be there. End of February. In End of February. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. And um, I guess the prototype will be available then at the, the Home and Garden Show. For showcase. For showcase. Okay. Are you planning on selling the produce as well that you produce? Yeah. Actually, one of the, uh, one of the plans in the future um, is to open up a little micro farm. Uh, and I think that that aligns really well with uh, what our mission is and what, what our vision is, um, which is to really start to feed uh, the world's transition uh, to sustainable food. Uh, so we just want to make sure that, uh, you know, that that is something that we, we have working on or what we're working on. Yeah. The world's transition. You mean the, the people that aren't farmers, but the, the people that came after them. It's basically for anyone to be able to grow anything anywhere. Um, and that's 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 something that we want to empower people with. Right, right. I am so excited. Where do you get your seeds from? We're sourcing um, most of our seeds locally and um, where we can, organic, non-GMO, and completely fresh. Okay. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you want things to grow, uh, obviously not 10 years, uh, but <laughs> yeah. what is like the average um, maturity time for things you can grow? Right, so for something like a leafy green, it would be um, a couple weeks to four weeks. And then anything that is bigger um, in terms of like a fruit, uh, fruiting vegetable or a plant, um, it would probably be around a couple months to three months. Um, so that's kind of the ballpark there from a few weeks to a few months. Okay, and I'm sure there's, uh, as in most produce, there's varieties that are shorter and longer. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. Um, I think one of our listeners is wondering about uh, cannabis and if, if that's also an option. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll take that. Yeah, it's, you know, we understand uh, what, what the market demands and that you have to deliver that. However, um, 
it's it's not our primary focus uh personally i i understand the benefits of it but it's it it's simply less intriguing to me let's hear from chase now more sure. about more about um cannabis no nope, not, <laughs> not <laughs> what are you going to do tomorrow when you walk into the office Ooh, uh, depending on which space you're talking about so <clears throat> we we work out of ubc hatch which is a really really cool um prototyping lab we have lots of access to uh you know, like the top-notch uh, 3D printers uh, and things like that. So it's, tomorrow, I, I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know what we're going to do. A lot more prototyping. Prototype. Yeah. yeah, a lot more prototyping. Okay, that's wonderful. Well, we're going to hear one final thought from each guest here, Mike, Valerie, and Chase, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. So, The one final thought for me, and, and the kind of a call to action, is um, I, I would hope that anyone listening out there who is a non-gardener to think about where the future of food is growing and how important it is to really connect back to our food and understand how it's grown, where it comes from, and not just pick up a package at the grocery store and take it as it is. So if there's one thing that you can do to better the world, it is to grow food. Um, if you could help support our launch in April, that would be amazing. Keep t- uh, Stay tuned on our website at avagrows.com and follow closely. Yeah, I think the, um, the future of food is definitely bright. And uh, the closer we bring our roots back into our life, basically connecting back to nature, um, and, and the more we can do that, the better. Um, I think for chefs in particular who are interested um, in our product or anything similar, it's it's empowering in your menu development process um, because we understand that you are under the constraints of what you, what kind of ingredients you have access to. Now imagine you you being able to grow um, your garnishes, your vegetables, uh, and being able to serve that to your your paying customers. Um, it's 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 quite a revolution that uh, we're trying to spark. Yeah, I, I would just say. Um the the future of vertical farming is is bright, but there's a lot of hurdles and bumps along the way. And um, you know, we we've chosen a very simplistic path. And uh, in in the end, though, um, what we're trying to do is is contribute to the reeducation, um, the empowerment of individuals who will, in the end, have to operate these farms. And uh, the whole idea of reconnecting to food is, is important for everyone. And uh, it's, it's important for policymakers and stakeholders to take these industries seriously and um, have a lot of patience with them, to be frank. So one last note, um, if you would like to see the prototype in person, we will be exhibiting in Science World um, from March to September. So please do come check us out, say hi, and follow us, uh, follow us online. That sounds wonderful. And we'd love to hear all of our listeners' thoughts on the Ava Smart Garden as well. Tell us what you would, you would grow in a garden that grows itself. You can tweet us at Foodline Radio or leave a comment on our Facebook page or our website. So thank you, everybody, for joining me. It's been a pleasure. And if you missed any part of the show, listen to our podcast on foodlineradio.org, where you can find also additional information on our, um, on our startup today, Ava Smart Garden. A big thank you to everyone who makes Foodline Radio possible, Laurence, Rick, and Mike, and of course, Alex in the control room. Uh, if you'd like to join our team on Foodline Radio, get in touch with us uh, through our website, Twitter, or Facebook. 
Coming up on February 13th, Mike Bodner and high school students are back with more fun food stories. On February 20th, I'll host the Crop Doctor edition of Foodline Radio. What epidemics threaten our crops today and what is the most environmentally sustainable way to prevent them? We'll talk to Vancouver-based startup Terramera and Karen Ageson from Farmers on 57th. So tune in Mondays 8 to 9 p.m. Signing off, I'm your host, Amanda Johnson. Think NDN is coming up next at 9 p.m. I hope tonight's show has gotten you excited about growing your own greens. Bon appétit, and I'll leave you with the last song, On leur affaire croire, by Alex Nevsky.